Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars movies, Star Wars books, and of course, Star Wars TV. Um, I am your host, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me after 6,000 years <laughs> is Lindsay, a.k.a. the Lady of Lore. You know, Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It does feel that way, but it's funny because we finally after how long got to come into a show and not have to say before the show or small planning, what are we going to talk about? I think we kind of both without saying knew exactly what it is we were going to talk about today. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that's what's so much fun uh, about TV season or Mando season. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like coming up with different topics is great. And it's, it's funny because Mandalorian's out. And I've legitimately been excited for the High Republic. Like I'm still pretty, pretty geeked on the High Republic itself and everything that this Phase Two has been. And you know, with those, with the latest book announcements, it seems like they're going to kind of close Phase Two pretty quickly. And while I'm loving every second of it, second of it, I'm also relieved of it because I feel like they're the High Republic is giving us a contained phase two like it's very contained it's not going to drag out like hey we're going to sit here for two years of books and then we're going to drop you back into this arc that we left you kind of press pause from so um while i am super pumped for mandalorian um you know i feel like by the time we get done with mando between that celebration and then you know movie speculations and and high republic i feel like it's going to be a pretty we're gonna have enough to talk about on Sith Talk for a very, very long time. And that is gratifying because I love having these these deep conversations with you about like the force, the Jedi, um, you know, what can be, what could have been, speculations. That's all fun, but like me and you have been kind of doing this for a while, so it it gets pretty hard to come up with topics that we haven't already covered. Um, so it's fun to talk about fresh and new stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. I was thinking the other day, how strange it is that celebration is right around the corner, but because of the timing of Mandalorian, I feel like no one's really been doing the typical, what do you think is going to be announced? What panels do you think there, there are going to be? And that really leaves, I think, room for this to potentially be the best celebration in years, probably since Orlando. Um, And that is because no one's really sitting there saying like, oh, well, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be disappointed. Or they're absolutely going to do this, and then it doesn't happen. But just because we're all kind of distracted and looking someplace else, there's none of this, I don't want to say there's none of this hype, but there's none of this, these strong feelings of this has to happen. This person has to be there. They have to make this announcement or else it's a bust. It's just like, yeah, we're all happy Mandalorian fans again. And oh my God, who knows what's actually going to happen in the next few weeks. Yeah. um, The thing with Celebration this year is, um, you know, when I was kind of talking about, or when we saw the earlier announcements of Celebration, I I tended to be a little bit reactionary with um, 
my thoughts, I was like, okay, they're not, you know, because the last European one, I think all they got was like a trailer for Rogue One. That never even like, like a shot happened. It was the yeah. uh, sizzle reel. That's what it was. Yeah, it was a sizzle yeah. reel. And so I, I was kind of getting vibes that this one might not be um, a great one, yeah. but I really do believe that they're saving their movie announcement for this celebration. Um, just everything that I've been kind of paying attention to. I think, I think they didn't know exactly where they were going this time last year. Um, or I mean, I guess last year's celebration, but I think now that they, I think they really do have a movie ready to go in production or not going in production, but I I think they have a movie that they're ready to announce. And I think that's going to be big enough for Star Wars fans because we haven't had a movie announcement. And then when you sprinkle in Ahsoka and Acolyte's going to be like very far into actual um, production itself. I think production wraps, the last thing that I had heard is the actor from Squid Games that's going to be in the Acolyte. He had said that he was booked for shooting until April. So it's going to be pretty far along the shooting process by then to where I think we're actually going to get like a little bit of something from the acolyte. So I think those who are going to London are going to get a huge treat. Um, that being, you know, on top of like the movies getting a movie announcement and the acolyte and Ahsoka right around the corner, Mandalorian's wrapping up, you know? So yeah, I think think, cheers in terms of acolyte and, and you know, this has been what I've been most excited about for a while now. I mean, it would be awesome if we saw something visual and and on film. I think if anything visual, though, we are going to get maybe some concept art or something like that. But I do expect, and I would hope at least, some more plot stuff, right? Some some more of here is the direct plot. Here's a little bit more about what's going on. And here's how it's going to tie into everything else. So I think there's there's a ton there. I also think too because Jedi Survivor was postponed with no oh, yeah. big real announcement. Everyone was saying, you know, like, oh, that sucks, but you know, it's so typical for video games, blah blah blah. And I feel like no one else was sitting there other than me being like, hey, but it's also postponed till till after celebration. I would love for them to build up a little bit more hype for Jedi Survivor. And then because we have Battle Scars out, and now we have two games, I would love for them to announce something more being done with Cal Kestis. Yeah, and I, I would think that that's going to be... I I would think that their, their uh, Jedi Survivor sequel is probably a safe bet to be a success because the original Jedi Fallen Order was so well received at a time where Star Wars video games were kind of at their lowest with EA, Mm -hmm. you know, with Lucasfilm potentially wanting to get rid of EA altogether, you know, um, around that time, Bob Iger was like, we need to pull this contract and get out of it because of all the backlash. And there was a lot of Disney people talking to EA at that time saying, you need to pull the, the the I forget what the charges are called for video games like the the uh, bonus charges because all their games were dependent mm-hmm. on new skins new points yeah. and they really turned it around and Jedi Fallen Order survived in a time where things weren't looking so good for Star Wars video games so I think it's a safe bet that this time around it's going to be even bigger success especially if they 
are moving into a fresher story, which I believe that they are. I really do believe that the character we've seen in the trailer is someone from the High Republic in cryosleep, and I'm going to die on that sword. And I think it's a beautiful way to kind of um, start showing a little bit more of the High Republic in there. And they're kind of showing it slower. Like, if this character is from the High Republic, it'll be a High Republic game. The Acolyte, while not tied to the main High Republic story, is technically in the High Republic setting. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's honestly like it doesn't feel like it right now because we have um, it's an it's an exciting time to be a fan, and I think this is going to be one of the celebrations that I wish I could have been to. But I think especially for I, you because while talking about um, Survivor Two, I would love to see. And by see, I do mean watch on you on a live broadcast on YouTube, um, but some kind of video game panel because I really do want them to just give more information about Eclipse. You know, we got that initial trailer and then nothing. So I would love, if not a full panel, at least some kind of snippet of information there. Yeah, because honestly, Eclipse had one of the most interesting Star Wars trailers mm-hmm. that I had ever seen because. While we know nothing of that race that was shown in that trailer, it felt like Star Wars meets yeah. Prometheus in a weird. For me, way. it was Star and Wars Prom- meets Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, okay, that's yeah, but that like that alien yeah. race looks so much like the engineers from uh, Prometheus, and I, Which you I love. love the Pro- yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a massive fan of. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Alien um predator especially after this latest predator movie prey um but i've always had a special part or special love for prometheus and i I think there's a lot of good things coming from this next celebration and if i'm gonna guess i'm which you know i it's no secret i i've said it on even the last one i think the lindelof movie is going to get made and i think that's what they're going to announce i do not think they're going to announce a taika movie I think they're going to announce a Lindelof movie. I think if they announce a movie, it will be that. I just don't want to sit here and lock in and say they are announcing a movie. Oh, I'm going to lock it in. I I, I would almost say that they have to at this point. I mean, if, if Disney is talking anything and with Bob Iger being in, you know, you look at the TV and yes, the TV is super successful right now. I mean, like Star Wars is crushing TV. Everything that they do is uh is tv based right now and they're absolutely killing it but there's a huge desire for these movies and it and you know they said they were taking a break but it has been uh it'll be four years i mean we're, we're talking like five to six years bef- in between films and i think they have to start getting the ball rolling but at the same time where i used to be like i would be pissed if they didn't there's enough things for me personally to be excited for to where I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be pissed about it. I wouldn't be like, come on, tell us yeah. where the movie is. Um, because I have so much to look forward to and I'm finally starting to feel like there's a lot of things in Star Wars that are for me and some other things that I can try. So overall, you know, it's pretty exciting. Um, just a wild thing. Do you think we're going to get... Um, some kind of shot of Thrawn or find out who's playing Thrawn at Celebration? Um, I'm just throwing it out there. Yes. I yeah. do. I, was, I had to I think because I, 
either Thrawn or Ezra, but I don't think both. Yeah, and I, I think unless like, they do well, a I am... full Ahsoka panel and they the same way they did Mandalorian um, way back when they bring out all the major cast members and introduce who who plays who. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to talk about Ahsoka at some point because I do I've had this theory forever, like since the Ahsoka series got announced and and we were talking about like Ahsoka kind of being like the the search for Ezra find him you know I've had so many like thoughts about where that goes and I mean, Ahsoka is just uh, it's exciting and then I have one more thing to say to your acolyte thing you had talked about like you didn't know about if we'd get some set shots while I do think we're going to get some set shots at this point I would be very happy with even just the concept art yeah. because the concept art in the Mandalorian is so much fun to watch after every episode that even just like seeing shots of like what these inspirations are from, you're going to understand what the show is going to look like relatively quickly with just a couple of uh, concept arts. And I think that the way they draw them is so cool, especially if they get the artists that do the Mandalorian concept. Yeah. And that's, that's I think more along the lines of what we would get. At least I hope. Yeah. So with that being said, everybody is here for the Mandalorian, um, the the newest episode of the Mandalorian season three. And Lindsay, I want to know what your thoughts are. Um, my thoughts really are that the power of this episode lies in the first two minutes and the last two minutes. Everything in between is good and exciting and it's not bad at all. Don't get me wrong. It's just the, the first two and the last two are, are so good. I think that while I wasn't a big fan of the whole side quest and really spending so much time in trying to get um, IG-11 back up, it was good. It was fun to watch. But this was one of the strongest setups for what now has to happen. I think that just as not an episode in and of itself, but as a season premiere and here is what the rest of the season is going to be i think it's going to be one of the more compelling overarching stories that we have yeah um and i kind of felt the same way too like nothing okay so it wasn't the most mind-blowing episode but i think that's okay because not every episode is going to be luke skywalker showing up and making me lose my you know, figurative mind. Um, but I thought it was a perfect setup to the season. Um, I, I love getting back into this world because while Andor is a very serious show that does the rebellion versus the empire so well, this show encases beautiful, beautifully what star Wars is all encompassing. It's not just a genre show. It is Star Wars and it has the exact feel of Star Wars the epicness the beauty the world the the uh, the lightheartedness the seriousness the the overall encompassing uh, factors that we want out of a Star Wars show and like I said Andor is really great but but this is like prime Star Wars when it comes to overall story feeling emotions spectacle it it was a wonderful episode that opened up the season and I do, but I do agree with you about the, um, 
IG plotline. I I didn't I didn't see why he necessarily needed specifically him. I'm sure the writing will show that in general, but I, I didn't quite understand why we were going back to that, I, that would have been the last I thing that I would have understand, And it was actually a really nice call back, call back to a very main part of season one, which is that he doesn't trust droids because of his history in the clone wars. And I think I could be wrong, but I think that the reason they really set it up like this and they had that plot line is just to remind us of that. So if that is the case, I'm really interested to see where that goes and why that's important again, whether it is his history in the Clone Wars or his distaste for droids. Yeah, and, um, you know, I guess, like, when it comes to The Mandalorian... I really am at this point. I trust them so much that I'm I'm along for the ride. I'm not really going in like, okay, this episode's going to have this. This ho- like I hope it has this. I hope it has that. Like the Mandalorian has done their their big stories very well and they've also done their little side stories very well because they focus on different avenues um in each episode. And I think this was a good return to the world that we live in, uh, or that, that they live in. Um, one of the things I, I can't wait to talk to my, my average star Wars fan base, um, to see if they understood that there was a time discrepancy, like what happened after season two to like now suddenly Grogu is with him again. I wonder who like was caught off guard by that what how they felt about it because we already knew i mean we can't assume that everybody has seen the book of boba fett so i just i I'm, i am intrigued to see how the casual fan kind of sees that um through their eyes yeah and it was almost i i think that they kind of put in some seeds right like when we're in navarro and there's trees and they're talking about all the changes being made blah 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 then it makes sense that there's this two-year time gap but then you also go to um, the Mandalorian castle and you have Bo-Katan just sitting in that chair and it's like has she just been there for two years so I think there's some some contradicting evidence in terms of how long it's been that's going to make it very confusing for not just the, the average fan base as we say but even for us to be honest yeah um, you know uh I, I've heard a couple people because I've already listened to you know other people's thoughts about the episode and stuff like that. And one of the things is Bo-Katan sitting in the chair, like <laughs> kind of moping around. They were like, "So what is she doing? She just sits there on the chair waiting for what's his name to show up." And you know, it's been multiple people that have said that already. Um, but for me, I look at it as someone who has pro- uh, potentially given up hope on uniting Mandalorians. And, and kind of being uh, lost because she had had all these resources. And, and that's what uh, Din asked is like, what happened to the ship? What happened to the warriors? What happened? And she lost it all because she didn't have the Darksaber. And I can understand how that would be very defeating and how one would lose their way when they, every time they've tried, I mean, she's been at this for years. So she's very much playing like a Luke Skywalker, the last Jedi type of role. Um, essentially skeptical about everything, but I think she will eventually do the right thing. I wasn't expecting that angle. I almost assumed um, 
I almost assumed that when he would return to her, she would say something like, are you, I, like, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to let me take this from you? I thought there would be more like desire from her to want that dark saber. And it seems like she's not interested at all. No, because I think she's probably very disillusioned with her people where she's sitting there saying like, Hey, look, I've clearly been the strongest ruler throughout all of this and I'm capable and, and I should be the rightful ruler, but they're all stuck in their ways of the dark saber. And I think that one cool way to take this would be if Din goes to Mandalore next week and he uncovers something that makes Bo-Katan kind of uh, like brings her back to life almost. Right. Chirp up. Yeah. And then that that's when hopefully they'll be able to team up or whatnot. But I don't think the, or at least I hope that the overarching plot of this season is going to be, he stops trying to get back into what we now know as Death Watch and goes back to the rightful ways of Mandalore. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking in our Clashing Sabers feed, and, you know, I forget who was talking about it because I'm busy and I kind of read things, but, you know, don't always associate with who's saying what. And someone said that they wish she had pushed him a little bit more about the helmet and the mask and like kind of called him out on like how, you know, why does this matter? Why does your atonement for taking off your mask matter? And like kind of calling out Death Watch a a little bit. Um, I mean, I want to point out too, I haven't pointed this out to the group yet because I actually wanted you to be the first person I ran this thought by. Um, But I think it's really crazy to see in those first two minutes when we see the the death watch ritual and they see this youngling or foundling taking their vows they're using the best car that didn't gave them to say use the rest for the younglings that was a major plot point and that was an incredible moment for din as a character where he gives up all of this best car armor so that this way the the ways can live on and there can be these younglings and they have this this armor that's so significant. They're using all the stuff that he gave him gave them, but they're still not accepting of him. So even though he's the reason these traditions are carrying on, they still won't let him be a part of it. And that's that's a really good point. I took something else out of that that whole scene with the kid. <laughs> I took something a little bit more of like the Jedi order and asking these kids, we're asking these kids to make an oath that they don't quite understand the, the actual ramifications of taking this oath at such a young age that the death watch is highly, highly, uh, I hate to use the word indoctrinated, but indoctrinating these kids and forming their minds on such an absolute way of, of life and such an absolute way of Mandalorians that it can be quite dangerous. And it also makes, um, what I would consider Din Djarin's like, um, infatuation with being part of the death watch Mandalorians so hard to shake because even now with all that he's learned with all that he's seen, you know, he's never once asked Bo-Katan about her, their beliefs, what her beliefs are as a Mandalorian. He has not slighted her for not having her helmet on. 
he hasn't slighted anybody for being different, but we don't know where that ground kind of shook, where where the differences lie. Why does she believe this way or not wear the helmet or, and why do they, why do they do that? And why do, you know, we don't know the differences between the two, but Din having seen so much over this um, series, he still considers that oath to be what it is to be a Mandalorian, even though he's looking at another Mandalorian who believes different. He's never really kind of tried to ask her, her way and her style and so i don't i I, i'm infatuated with those conversations and seeing where that leads because i think at the end of the day while he's trying to lead grogu you know grogu is now you know becoming essentially a mandalorian he's on on the path um because of his his father but what why is Din? I, I want to see him kind of question these things. That's what I'm really looking forward to. What is a Mandalorian? And it could be both. The answer could be that Din could unite both Death Watch and the other Mandalorians together and, and say, like, look, guys, you believe this way, they believe this way, but we are Mandalorians, much like, you know, other religions coexist with each other. You know, even though there is a Lutheran and a Catholic in America, they are still Americans. They don't, like, have their own separate field of, like, ownership. I want to know how they get united, and if he's the one to unite them all, or if he ultimately has to turn his back on Death Watch. That's what's fascinating. what fascinates me, is the the differences between the two, because I don't quite understand them. I think ultimately, though, he really is going to have to turn his back on Death Watch. I don't know uh, how exactly. I think so too. Is, the, is there already a season four confirmed? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it is already written. Actually, okay. John Favreau has already written season four. I feel like that's going to be something that happens like right before whatever they want the final season to be. You know where the final season is finally like him versus death watch. But I think up until then, he's going to have to stay in death watch for a while. I don't, I think he, I think he's not going to, I don't think he's going to stay in death watch by this season. I think because of your points, like they're, they're using his stuff. They're basically saying, Hey, nice shit, bro. But you're still not accepting, like, we don't accept you because of this one thing that you broke, that we, even though you have the Darksaber, even though you're supplying resources, um, you didn't abide by the code, so even though we'll use your shit, and oh, by the way, you saved our lives today, like, you need to piss off. Yeah, but everyone keeps talking about how, like, and I've heard this time and time again, that they expect by the end of this season, he's going to permanently remove his helmet. I think what would be a better story, whether it's throughout season four or at least for a good part of this season, is if he's able to get this redemption, become part of Death Watch, he has to be disillusioned, right? So he has to be back in their good graces and back as part of this for long enough. And I think it's then going to be something where you you mentioned where you don't like using the word indoctrinated. 
And I'm curious as to why, because I think this is the perfect usage for that word, because I think they're going to try to do some form of this indoctrination on Grogu, and then that protective father is going to come out. And then that is what's going to make him realize, like, this isn't right. This whole way of thinking and this way of life might not be how I want to essentially raise my son. And look at the gifts he's been giving. They're about to use it for something that he doesn't agree with. I think that's that's going to be the turning point. Not in his quest to get back in their good graces, he goes against them. I think he's going to be successful and then be disillusioned based on the indoctrination of Grogu. And see, I could see that very much. I, I can see that happening as well. I think the the fun about it all is is um, you know there's so many ways that this could go. You know, this whole season could be about simply uniting Mandalore. It could be about Din discovering whether he wants to be a part of Death Watch. It could be him getting into Death Watch and and just like everything you've said, there's so much, there's so many webs that this can go. And ultimately, it's satisfying to see um, and to just watch. Like it's it's fun to talk about that kind of stuff, but it's it's ultimately just satisfying to watch. And that's what makes it good TV is you have no idea where this is going, and you and and that's just the part of of Din Djarin. Um, one of the things that I'm I'm super happy to see is more Bo-Katan. I hope. I hope we get Bo-Katan in like almost every episode. We won't, but I hope we get a lot of Bo-Katan because one, I'm a huge fan of Katie Sackoff. There's a show that I've been listening to for years that she pops up all the time because she's known the host since her Battle Battlestar Galactica days. Um, I don't normally plug other shows, but she just did an interview, which was before season three of The Mandalorian, where she couldn't talk anything spoiler about Mandalorian but she's just so much fun to talk to she's such a or to listen to she's such a badass like woman in general um and the show is uh called The Big Thing and she did an interview with her friend who is the person that I listen to Christian Harloff mm. and she really loosens up like she really talks about you know motherhood and and Star Wars and being a big Star Wars fan not like like an actor saying like oh I've been a big fan like she actually watches this stuff she actually really likes it and she's just proud to be in this position um that she's in right now being such a major part of this series which is a huge hit and so if you guys haven't like it is a little um it's it's Sith talk style um they don't always talk about kid friendly things so if you are a kid definitely don't look that up <laughs> but if you're an adult and you want to get to know about like her personality and stuff it, it was a really fun interview that I that I listened to today and it's it's always fun like hearing her point of view um, and I'm just a big fan of Katie Sackhoff so I'm hoping to see more of Bo-Katan because she's such an original character she's so much fun I have no idea what she's going to do like part of me Part of me can even go down and see, like, you're talking about all these different webs. Part of me can can even see, like, her going full dark side. Like, not dark side of the force, but just, like, have completely lost her way. So now Din's juggling, like, two factions or two people, like, or a faction and one once great leader 
two people losing his way and ultimately realizing that he would be the one to unite the Mandalorians. I think that's another avenue that he could do. He might understand that his purpose is uniting them both. Uh, it might not just be walking away from Death Watch. It might be uniting. And I I have no idea. Do you and think, I, though, I do that think... the Mandalorians would be open to that, given that he is a foundling? Do you think it's going to be like a purebred t- type of situation? Well, I mean... I... And maybe that is why they reminded us about his... Um, his history in the Clone Wars? Possibly, but foundlings are still Mandalorians. And he does have the Darksaber. Yeah, but are they Mandalorians, I mean, he... or is that part of Death Watch? You're blowing my mind here. Because <laughs> um, what if he's not really accepted by the Mandalorians? That's true, too. And that would be his... Um, his uh, job to, if he does unite, have to ensure them that he is, you know, one of the, he has earned his place within the Mandalorians and he might have to earn that on all sides. It might not just be Death Watch. He might have to, he might have to earn that on both factions. You know, I, I think there's a lot of problems with the Mandalorian culture and that's another talking point that is a lot of fun to even go down that thread is like, the man i mean i've said it before but in the writing like in the old republic the mandalorians were always the this great group of people that doom themselves and they always do okay wait so i have I don't to know. i have to pick your brain on this i was thinking this the other day um but with life being life wasn't able to ask you do you think since you bring up the mandalorians of the old republic and all the lore that goes with it. Do you think maybe that also has something to do with the decision to bring back the Knights of the Old Republic and why those stories are going to be important again is because we're going to start to tie that in. Do you think there's any kind of connection between that and this season of Manda? I think we're going to learn more about their past. I think we're going to learn where they split off. Do you think it's going to diverge Um, from Legend, though? Or do you think Legend is going to... It's going to like resupport legend. I don't know. Um, I would say that really there should be no reason why they wouldn't use it because it is a very like there are details within legends that make that you could go down like you could get very detailed or you can just say, you know, uh, 2000 years ago, a thousand years ago, yada, yada, yada. Like in the old Republic, it was 3000 years ago, the original timeline, but you can say, you know, 2000 years ago when our people were, were united, we took on the Republic and we had them on their knees. Okay. We had, we almost won. Keep it. However they do it, whether it is a flashback like that or not, that goes back to what I was saying with the Mandos won't accept him because he's a foundling. Not only is he a foundling, he's walking around with a little tiny Jedi. So if everything in Legends is true, why would the Mandos accept both a foundling and a Jedi supporter as their ruler? Because the owner of the original Darksaber was a Mandalorian Jedi. And you have a Mandalorian and a Jedi (laughs) united, and that Mandalorian has a Darksaber. So what if it's not Din then? What if it's not Din Djarin? What if Grogu ends up being the next ruler of Mandalore? 
I don't see that um, because I don't think they're ever going to age up Grogu. I don't think Grogu's ever going to like be able to speak. I don't. I don't think he's going to have sentences. I think they're going to leave him at this exact look the entire series. I mean, there's there's conversations that season four might be it. I mean, it's not for sure in the books yet. I, but... to be honest, hope it is. Um, not yeah, not because I dislike it or anything, but I think if there's anything we learn from Rebels vs. Clone Wars, there's a power in the short shorter stories that can be ended appropriately as opposed to just we're going to keep doing season after season because people like it. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a lot of other thoughts that I won't discuss. I think John Favreau is going to have his hands tied in star Wars for many years to come. Um, but not solely focused on the Mandalorian. And I think that's his baby. And it was always, it was always pitched as a limited series. It was never um, going to go to... I mean, the, the plans were never going to be like six seasons in a movie, um, like Community. Um, <laughs> Where the movie actually was the, announced recently, no? Yes, it was. <laughs> yep. Uh, without Donald Glover. Um, mm. But I, I think that... So I think the unification of a Jedi or a, a Jedi-like being... And the dark saber, I don't think that holds any contestment. If anything, it adds to the legend of that first leader who had the dark. Yeah. Saber. So, do you think if anything, but, the Jedi part of it would help them overlook the foundling part? I think so because it adds, um, you know, um, it, with with people like the Mandalorian who have a rich culture, who have a rich history, who have legends of like the Jedi with the dark saber. Um, I think they hold on to um, ideology, symbols, obviously, since they have like symbols on their armor. They're covered with symbols and signs and, and stuff like that. I think that this could be very much like a, not a messianic um, takeaway, like they would look at him as like the, the savior of their people. But they would, I, I could see them easily rip, uh, giving into the superstition. And I also cannot, or I can see them not. The Mandalorians are so unpredictable that you, I, there's no way to spin how this is going to go down. And that goes back to my thing with the canon is there's so much yet to explain. The Jedi who had the, the Darksaber, will we learn more about this Darksaber and that Jedi and how he forged his own path? Will Din learn how he forged his own path to help Grogu? I mean, like, a Force-sensitive Jedi created this Darksaber and now this Darksaber is like the very foundation on being a leader in Mandalore culture. Grogu is a Force-sensitive being. What does that mean? How does that fit with the place? Um, how, what is the origins of the dark saber outside of what we already know and, um, you know, what that means. So then this is going to be a very important question in terms of him understanding the significance of it. Obviously he has Bo-Katan, he has the armor, he has ways to figure out what the Mandalorian side of all of this means. But in terms of the Jedi, do you think then that Ahsoka and or Luke are going to keep being key characters? Or was their part in season two and Book of Boba Fett solely meant for a setup on Ahsoka? Because I personally, personally, I hope 
it's a setup for Ahsoka because I really want to highlight that show and everything it could potentially be. But if what you're saying is right, the only way that makes sense is for either them to come back or another crazy concept. Since we have to talk about it, we saw the Purgles. Is Thrawn going to come back then and somehow be connected in all of this and explain it to him? Because he probably would know all of that. But if it's, I think that's another big question is how are the Purgles connected? Is it just an Easter egg? Is there going to be more connection there? Or is that setting up more for Ahsoka and getting the the seeds in for the more casual Star Wars fans who don't know what they are? I think that was one of the best Easter eggs. Um, and I take it as Grogu discovering more about the universe. And since he's Force-sensitive, being able to feel these beings. And I think it was more of a sense of wonderment mm. of what's out there in the galaxy. While also letting the hardcore fans know or get a visual of what these, you know, I call them the space whales look like. I thought it was a good um, slight addition, not in your face. When it comes to Ahsoka and Luke, let's start with Luke. I think if we see Luke Skywalker again, it'll be a very like light, light, light thing. Like, like same runtime as possibly, um, you know, the book of Boba Fett, even less like Luke might come in and check in on him just to see how things are going just to, you know, see where his progress are is and see how, how things are going on with him. Because at this time, or at least as far as we know, Luke doesn't have many students and he might come by to check in, but I don't think Luke is very much, I don't think Luke is going to be a part of this story moving forward. It might be like a light thing that Luke has some wisdom to give to Din, um, and while also checking in on Grogu, but I don't think it'll be much. I don't think we'll ever get the same impact as we did in season two. And yeah. I don't know if I even I don't, because I don't that think was I such do, a big deal. Because if there's anything that I really want to come back and, and a piece of this that I want to keep exploring, it's actually still the Camino scientist. And I hope that they are able to keep going back to the fact that, hey, there's still these people who want to run these experiments on Grogu and not even just that, okay, that's a bad thing. I want those casual Star Wars fans to keep asking, what the hell are those experiments? And I want that to be a subject that is really, really heavily discussed and covered. And that could also be a plot thread. And well, now, okay, thank you for you being you. You add to the fact that maybe this is maybe these scientists going after Grogu is where Luke's place is because they're in over their head and these people keep, I mean, like Moff Gideon is still very much part of the story and, you know, um, he is going to be an integral part of the season. So maybe that's one of the threads as well. In in discovering all of this about Mandalorian, we also find out that Gideon's not done and that people are still going after Grogu, and maybe Din turns to Luke for help, or at least tips off Luke. And this is one of the the plot threads that has Luke start thinking that maybe they're not done. Maybe there is something. See, going that's on. though where I think it gets real dicey because there's already such controversy controversy about Luke in the Last Jedi. If it becomes, if that is the issue, and then it becomes, hey, 
Luke knew that this was going on. Luke knew that there was this threat out there. Now he didn't, and and I agree with the choices made in Last Jedi. I want to specify that. I agree with those choices. I agree with what happened. Is Last Jedi my favorite movie? No, different subject. But I can defend the choices made for Luke because I do agree that this was meant to show the impact of Kylo Ren turning or Ben Solo turning. It was meant to show the impact and meant to show just how hard it was on everyone. That is easy to defend. What you can't defend is Luke knew that there were these experiments going on to get Palpatine back and he still turned his back on the galaxy. That's the only reason why I don't even think have to Luke can. Yeah, but that makes him. He doesn't that say ma- have to that. Know makes that. him oh, ignorant, yeah. though. Because would you would you rather Luke come in, try and help, and not continue to question or look into it, and all of a sudden this major threat is staring him in the face and he misses it, or would you rather him just not be involved in the show and him have no idea that they're trying to bring Palpatine back? I mean, I believe that Luke could potentially know that there is a subsect of the imperial uh, regime that is trying to study force-sensitive beings. They don't have to know that he's cloning. They don't have to know that they're trying to clone Palpatine. They just have to know that somebody's after Grogu to study force-sensitive beings. Yeah. That's all he really has to know, and that's just planting the seed of those movies as well because like luke was already kind of tipped off in shadow of the sith like he kind of already knew some things a little bit more than we thought he did yeah like, it's going just, into, like, before I, that book i written, do feel like because of the choices made in last jedi it kind of closed a lot of doors with what you can and can't do with luke in any time frame because you really cannot there's only so much that you can just justify. So you can't cannot right. keep giving him the oh there were all of these things in front of his face, and yet he still did what he did, and he still exiled himself. Yes, but I mean Luke knew what Exegol was in Shadows of the Sith. Like Luke knew all about that. He knew that there was some regime like going after and taking kids like he knew that in that one so why would it be so that's that's no 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 that's that's what i'm saying though is you can't you can forgive and explain away oh he knew a piece of it but not all of it but if you start putting all of these pieces together then it becomes either luke knowingly did this or is Luke the hero we truly thought because he wasn't able to figure out all of this right in front of his nose. So he's either stupid or he turned his back on the galaxy, which is why you just, you just can't give him ever. You can't keep giving him so many pieces of here's what was going on. Well, I mean, maybe at the end of the day, it's, you know, Din is overwhelmed and he says, Hey, these these scientists are trying to take Grogu and Luke has a hand in, in stopping that. And he thinks it's done. I mean, Luke is a very fresh Jedi at this point and hasn't even had his Academy running. He hasn't had any of this happen yet. He doesn't have this wisdom. This is like fresh out of the gate. Luke Skywalker. This isn't like the guy who has all of his force mastery. He's not a master yet. He's he's very much he, he's very powerful, but he doesn't have it figured out right now. So, depending on the writing, I think the pieces of 
where all this is heading on the Imperial side is for us to know and for the characters to only know so much. And how that is written will be dependent on whether if Luke is a part of this, if he's a fool or not. I think that's tied to the writing because we as... Um, as viewers will have all the pieces, but those characters might not have all the pieces. And if Luke is being brought in to help them, um, to help them kind of stop this, I mean, it could be very easy as Luke is, is, um, one of the key pieces to stopping this sect. And then he thinks it's done. I mean, the empire is a big place. Moff Gideon is a, while he is one of the biggest villains of the series, he is he is but a uh, ant under the boot of the regime of the empire. He's an ant. Yeah, but I think I would still just rather not have Luke involved this season and not open up these doors than open up these doors and Me. have you know some fan service where oh Luke is back. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, but I'm just saying if we're going to go down the rabbit hole, then I'm just going to pull out all the, all the stops out of my ass. Um, tell your dog I said hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, he didn't like you but, using the word ass. Oh, wow. <laughs> ass, ass, ass. That, um, anyway. that or he just really agrees with me and he's backing me up. Right, Scrap? Look, one thing our viewers have to know is if you present me with a thought pattern and a loophole to go down to, <laughs> I will break go. down this loophole, whether I agree with it or not. But I do agree with you that I don't necessarily feel like we do need Luke Skywalker. While it is amazing, while that that episode of Book of Boba Fett was so magical, and I love seeing Luke, and I love how well they've done with um, the effects, the, the voice, the feel. It is like all-encompassing when it comes to Star Wars. Like, I it just shiver when I see Luke Skywalker. I agree with you that I don't necessarily think it's necessary. Now, to go to your point about Ahsoka, I don't think Ahsoka is going to be a sought-after character in the show. I don't think she is going to visibly seek um, Din. I think Sabine is going to be the thing that kind of ties. If they are, if Ahsoka is in this show or has an appearance in this season, I think it will be through Sabine. I think that if there's any kind of Rebels character that we're really going to get out of is Sabine. Because Sabine is very much a part of that Mandalorian culture and that story. And she is also, you know, one of the key reasons why um, Bo-Katan had such struggle. Because she gave her the Darksaber. So I think Sabine could play a role in this. I'm not saying she will. I'm saying if there's something tied to the Ahsoka series, it will be through Sabine. And at the very end, you know, totally Ahsoka, agree. Totally agree. Ahsoka like shows up because it's not hard to figure out because uh, some event happens where the Mandalorians are making some kind of thing, and Sabine's probably in constant conversation with Ahsoka anyway. I think if Ahsoka shows up, it's going to be like she flies in during all the shit that they're going through in the middle of all of this, and kind of has a not like more like of a guest appearance like hey let me tell you okay so so i think like if it's gonna play out with ahsoka being in this um you know where my head goes is like sabine and din are now like a a talking item not a not a relationship item but like they're <laughs> doing something together and you know ahsoka shows up and she's like oh um he was actually not not saying this verbatim but like i know where thrawn's at like, I, I, I know where Thrawn's at. Like, I, we can do this. And Sabine's like, well, 
you know, I got to tie this shit up first or, you know what, let's go. I think that's like kind of how that's going to play out is, you know, she's going to show up in the middle of all this chaos and either help them finish this chapter, which is a part of Din's story and not a part of Ahsoka, but she's helping a part of Din's story and kind of checks in with Grogu since they did have a pretty decent connection. Um, but it's it's that's going to be the tie-in if if there is a tie-in and if Ahsoka. Shows I up. think that would be a really great tie-in in season four. Um, for me personally, I would prefer Sabine not to show up this season because I really want. Ahsoka. I think she has to. No, I want Ahsoka to be really special though, and for that to be where things come back. I think what would be a great concept is in terms of tie-ins. We had figure season one and two of Mando and then everyone said like Book of Boba Fett was really just Mando season two bay like you cannot watch season three of Mando without having finished Book of Boba Fett you really can't otherwise it's how the hell did we get back here I think what should happen is we are introduced to Sabine in Ahsoka and then she is in in Ahsoka. She's introduced kind of to Mandalorian, and that becomes see, the connection. And see, I don't at all because I think Ahsoka's entire series is going to be going to the outer regions. It's going to be an explorative story of going to the outer regions to try and find uh, Thrawn in hopes of finding Ezra. I think that is going to be an explorative show. All right, all right. Well, hold on, hold on, then time out. What if it ends with they find Ezra, they come back, and how absolutely perfect is that? That now we have Sabine there with Din to help the Mandalorians, but then we also have Ezra there to be at Sabine's side teaching Grogu. That could happen. That could happen, but I just think... If you're going to try and promote... Look, Ahsoka is not a A-list character. Um, I think the show's going to do amazing. Yeah. But I think if you want to tease... If you want to tease and get more people interested in watching... They've seen Ahsoka from one episode. But if you want to tease that show that's coming out later this year... You pull Sabine in and mm-hmm. have Ahsoka show up with her story. Because then it's like... If if Ahsoka shows up, you're already invested in Sabine because you know this character because her story very clearly it's not a Easter egg tie-in drop-in copy and paste let's insert Jar Jar type thing. It is very much belongs in this story. She is a pivotal role on on the fallout of what happened. She's a part of Bo-Katan's identity. She gave the dark saber. It didn't work, and then Bo-Katan went after the dark saber again. And, and that's the whole thing is this fucking dark saber. And she is an integral role to this fallout. I think she plays a key in this season, not only because it makes sense for the story, like utterly just makes sense for this story. But if Ahsoka shows up in between all this chaos, it is essentially you get invested in Sabine and her role. And then you jump onto the Ahsoka show because Ahsoka drops some little juice thread because the show has already said, where's Thrawn? If she drops in and she's like, I found the location of Thrawn, we got to go. 
those fans that are here for the Mandalorian, the A-list show, are going to be like, whoa, Sabine's rad as fuck. We've seen this character twice. They, I don't know who the fuck Thrawn is, but like she found him in the season two episode, and I, I'm picking up on that, but I like this character too. And now they're going to go see this Thrawn guy. Who's Thrawn? And then they look up Thrawn, and they see this mysterious guy, and it just it's such a good promotion for Ahsoka. I can't see them passing that up, because if it happens in season four, you're banking on... Um, it, it just doesn't promote Ahsoka like it could have been. It can all tie in and be great for those who have seen all the shows, but if you want to get... Uh, eyes on the TV screen. I almost said asses in the theater, but it's not a theater. Um, if you want to get a tie-in, you have to do the drip. You have to do the drip. Yeah, and, the drip and, is... and you know what, though? One thing you said that kind of really stuck out as well is Ahsoka's not an A-list character, and I meant to immediately correct you, but then I thought, she is to us. She is to us. She is to us. But not to everyone else. You're right. And the, the reality is they've seen her once and to the casual viewer, they're going to see her face on the Disney plus thing and say, Oh, that's the one character from, um, you know, Disney. She's a Jedi. I might check it out as opposed to if they can put together these threads, like, Oh, in season two, she was that one that, that, that new Grogu's name. And she was looking after this strong guy. And then she kind of disappeared. There's been light sprinklings of Ahsoka throughout this whole Mandoverse. And you have to sprinkle in the plot thread of the show, which is, let's find Thrawn. Let's find Ezra. Because the casual, like us as fans, we're, we're going to, like, if if she does show up in this, in this um, scenario, which, to break it down for you guys, because we've been all over, the scenario <laughs> is, Din and Sabine are working on something together, and Ahsoka comes in and says, I found the location of Thrawn, um, we gotta go, or whatever, something like that. Then that that adds for us, the fans, oh fuck, we are ready to continue Rebels. Shit, this is awesome. To the casual fans, it's, well, this sounds intriguing because we've picked up this strong character in Season 2, and she was in Book of Boba Fett, or maybe they haven't even seen that. Well, now this character's back, and she is wanting to go see this strong character who I know nothing about. And it's it's it adds more intrigue to what's going on, and it almost would... I mean, it's an enticing thing regardless of whether you know or not. And so it's a double catch. You get the big fans, the, the hardcore fans, because they're getting Rebel season, you know, the Rebel sequel. And then you get these other people who are intrigued by an explorative journey to find this guy to catch their friend. And when you're invested in that, it's just, it's so intriguing. How could you not? How could you not? And it's Dave Filoni and he's, he's in, he's in part of this entire series by his fabric. And then his character, Ahsoka, his, his pride and joy. Dave Filoni can't help himself and the writing calls mm -hmm. for it. So it can happen. Yeah. It's a, he's, More. he's not the person who's going to try and stretch this, but you're right. It calls for it. So I guess you Look, changed my mind. It is the mind. chef's kiss. Final question, if they then, drop it, because you changed my mind, and I want to hear your words. Do you think we are going to see Sabine in Mandalorian by the end of season three? One hundred percent in the way that I just described. <laughs> Not one hundred percent in the way that I described it, but I think. Okay, I can't say one hundred. Such a sit, feeling gonna, in absolutes. No, no, no. You said one hundred percent. You have to. 
I think you have to if you want to give Ahsoka a good shot at being a uh, being a successful series because it all calls for it. It, it, it. The story calls for it. Um, and why would Disney not want more eyes and give their viewers more reason to watch another Star Wars show when so many eyes are on this one? All right, it's fair. Okay. Um, any final thoughts, or did you feel like you said everything you need to say? Is there something you want to add about Mandalorian Episode 1? Even though we barely talked about Episode 1, we talked about the hype train, because guess what? That's Sith what talks on. back, motherfuckers. Um, I guess eventually we're going to have to have someone tell us how bad Batch is. And not because we're bad Star Wars fans, it's just because we don't like that show. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to have to tell us how Bad Batch is because we truly believe it's bad. Oh, Drew. <laughs> hey, yo. But with that being said, guys, uh, it's been fun to be coming back. We're going to be back. We're here to stay. I had some crazy shit going on in life. Lindsay had some crazy shit. But we are back. We are ready to have fun. I am Zach Chrisman. You can find me on Instagram talking all things really kind of right now Spartan season because I'm doing all the Spartan races, which Bo-Katan, Katie Sackoff, she ran the one in Hawaii a couple years ago. I ran the one in Hawaii last year. You know, put two and two together. We're both Spartans here. Just just check it out. And you should check out the Katie Sackoff runs a Spartan race, Spartan race video on her YouTube channel channel because that is a lot of fun absolutely destroying but you can find me talking about all things spartan race um, barbecue star wars comic books um batman mode this month i'm in the bat month i've been focusing on being batman so that's what you can check out Lindsay. uh tell us where we can find you and a little bit more about what we do at clashing sabers awesome best place to find me personally is over on our facebook group the clashing sabers network um make sure you do tag me in any post and i'm more than happy to uh chat about anything or argue anything i always love a good good discussion um so make sure you tag me and and we'll get the juices juices flowing uh but more importantly other than me is our mission here at the clashing sabers network we are yes a podcast network you can find all of our other shows in our in our feed but first and foremost we are a nonprofit centered around getting originally getting books in the hands of different schools and classrooms and libraries where they might not be able to always get their hands on certain stories and on certain books. Star Wars is such an important part of our lives. We see a really big impact in the books from Star Wars, and we want kids to be able to experience that as well. Uh, we always take donations. We just had a great fundraiser. Um, but even if you can't donate or join our Patreon, we totally understand. If you know any other teachers or schools who might benefit from some of these resources, please, please, please uh, head over to clashingsavers.net and let us know where we can start sending some of these books to. We are also now uh, going to be working in um, the, the public library span and making sure that we are doing our best to keep certain stories from being banned in school libraries and in public libraries. Uh, so stay tuned. We're doing a lot of really important work that we're very passionate about and very excited about. And with that being said, guys, may the force be with you. Always.
All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?